Hi there, welcome to a final, sorry darling, that was a bit loud, was it? I'm, well, my, I'm here with my daughter, sitting on my knee, you right, Phoebe? Yeah. Yeah, good girl. And we're, this is the final Rich Chang's Edinburgh Fringe podcast of 2017, it's a little bonus one we weren't planning to do, uh, and uh, it's with John Robbins and Ahir Shah, who both nominated for the Comedy Award, which you may know who the winner is by the time this comes out. Um... The fringe is pretty much over for me. I've got one gig to come, and it's sold out. That's nice, isn't it, BB? Yeah? This nodding doesn't work on audio. Um, the Less Square Theatre podcast will continue from uh, next Wednesday. Uh, but it's yeah. nice. It's nice. There's a noise upstairs. I think it's Mummy. And, um, oh, have I hurt your ear by talking too loud? Um, I'm sorry. We're recording some more Less Square Theatre podcasts in October, so do come along to those. Go to lessquaretheatre.com. All your uh, participation helps us make more. And I think we're about to launch a Kickstarter for this coming series. Um, It'll be out in a few days. Uh, No, David, don't touch any. (laughs) um, uh, We're doing a Christmas Emergency Questions book for that, so if you've enjoyed the Emergency Questions books... Uh, then there will be another one on its way, hopefully, if the Kickstarter works. Uh, and you can, of course, buy a emergency question book at gofasterstripe.com slash EQ. Anyway, let's sit back and enjoy Rich Tang's S Square Theatre Podcast. Sit back and enjoy it, Phoebe. I'm making you sit back and enjoy it. All right. See you later. Hope you enjoy this. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Newtown Theatre Grand Hall. Please ensure all mobile devices are switched off and note that no photography, filming, or recording of any kind is permitted. In the unlikely event of a fire, please make your way calmly to the fire exits, which are clearly marked at either side of the auditorium, following the instructions of the Newtown Theatre staff. Thank you for listening. Please enjoy the show. Can't believe we haven't got rid of him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man who is too exhausted by the Edinburgh Fringe to think of an amusing introduction or anything amusing on stage, I'll, I'll get that in now. It's Richard Herring! <laughs> Just smashed the mic. Sorry about that, thank you very much. Oh, I'll be in such trouble now. I thought I, I thought I was hitting something soft with that mic. Oh dear, I, I won't be surprised if this doesn't get recorded. Welcome to Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe podcast. I was hanging out with the amazing Bubble Man the other day. So. He's just so cool. He's such an awesome guy, very depressed about his life. Uh, he calls it Ref, so I don't know if that's, that's going to catch on. Uh, so welcome. This is a bonus uh, podcast. I'm amazed anyone's here. Thank you very much. I mean, it was, this show was never publicised anyway, but this one wasn't even in the Fringe programme or anything. So well done for finding it, people here in the theatre, and uh, thank you for coming along. It should be a good one. Um, let's see. Yeah, hardly anything to talk to you about because I've, uh, I've just been asleep all week when I haven't been performing. Uh, my... Uh, my daughter, every morning, uh, for, she would say, what do you want for breakfast? And she says, ice lolly. That's what she says every morning. We say, you can't, you're never going to have an bre- uh, ice lolly for breakfast. That is not, that's not something that happens. And she did it today, and she was really insistent today, and she started crying because she couldn't have an ice lolly. But we said, no, you can never have an ice lolly at breakfast. Then she got taken out uh, by her mum, uh, and I had an ice lolly for breakfast. So it's, uh, I hope she never hears this podcast. Do what I say, not what I do. Uh, and it's the 20th anniversary of the death of Princess Diana. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I noticed in the news, that's my, that's my topical bit. Uh, so, uh, no, she died uh, at the end of the uh, Edinburgh Fringe, uh, 1987. So, uh, 1997. So, um, 
uh, the, uh, you know, I remember it very well. We, weirdly, there was no Twitter at that time. Uh, so uh, I didn't find out till about uh, midday. But um, we all remember what we were doing, though, don't we? Especially the person driving the white Fiat. Uh, so, um, <laughs> hey, look, we're going to crack straight on. Um, my first guest, uh, got get, I've got the wrong way around in my book, uh, is uh, actually we've had, we had uh, Tiff Stevenson was meant to be here today. Sorry if you uh, came to see her, uh, but she was doing the Leeds Festival today and somehow thought she was going to be able to double up. Uh, it's, uh, I love I love the optimism of comedians. That's what you have to love. She nearly did it, but it didn't quite work out. Uh, the uh, so our replacement guest is a fantastic replacement. He's best known as the worthy student in the Midnight Beast. That's why we're all here to see him, even though we didn't know he was on. <laughs> it's Ahir Shah, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is. Come on in. Thanks so much. Hello. Sit down, sit down, pull up a microphone, and uh, well, welcome to the show. We're mistreating all the microphones today. It's Thank good. This is, a, this is a very poignant day for me as a brown man who's also convinced that his white girlfriend's family are going to arrange to have him murdered. <laughs> do you remember the death of Princess Diana? Oh, you must have been quite little. I do. I would have been six. Right. Uh, so I, but I remember my parents uh, taking me into the living room, and it was on the news, and this was something that I was supposed to care about. Right. So I knew they were very sad. Yeah. Uh, we went. Uh, we went to the park and put where everyone put the stuffed toys. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, around. And at the time, I was too young to plagiarize Stuart routine. About yeah, it's good. I was just about to. So uh, yeah. it's. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Weirdly, uh, Stuart Lee's mum told us that um, Princess Diana died because it was the last night of the uh, festival and we got drunk. And usually I'd turn on the TV in the morning. And it was the days when there was no, well, there was an internet, but not really. Uh, and uh, I didn't that day. And we were just getting ready to go home. And Stuart Lee's mum rang about 11.30 saying, have you heard the news? And no, Princess Diana's died. Oh. And it was interesting because I drove... Uh, <laughs> it's a shame. I got on the train to come back to London, and uh, I was reading the Sunday Times. It was the previous, you know, it had been printed the previous day before it happened. Uh, it was all going about how Dodie was a bastard and Di was an idiot. And then by the time I got to London, the special editions had been printed that said how wonderful she was. So it was, uh, it was a wonderful yeah. journey down through. To, it was like an historic train journey that took me through time. Uh, and she got reassessed as a, as a, as a saint. I believe it was uh, Stalin who said that one death is a tragedy, but one particular one can be monetized for two decades. Uh, <laughs> Very good. Well, look, uh, congratulations. You've been nominated for the uh, Comedy Award. Thank you. Uh, how's that feel? Because uh, I, really... I don't know. Because <laughs> I know what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's very good, and anything that I say more than that to elaborate on my feelings will now seem like bullying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for a man who has been at the fringe for more years than I have been alive. Yeah, that's uh, true, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to keep coming back till they give it to me, and then if they, that's, that's how to make me stop. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be working. Two days ago, I was in Nando's insisting that you receive the panel prize. Uh, so <laughs> if anyone on the panel was uh, fond of fried chicken and pepe yeah, uh, could, at that the time, done it. then that'll... No, they don't, it's not they, gonna. It's not gonna happen. They don't. They don't like. I couldn't even win the Radio Times Comedy Champion, and that is voted for by uh, internet nerds. So that, if I can't win that, I can't win anything. <laughs> that I is voted for by specifically your family. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it is. Um, I. You're the favourite of all the 
comedy nominated shows I've seen, your your show is the only one I've seen. <laughs> In fact, your show is nearly the only show I've seen. <laughs> so congratulations. Right, okay. I saw you, I thought no one can top that. <laughs> it's fantastic. So tell, well, I wish that the judges had felt the same way. <laughs> not bothered to go see the other. Well, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean you're up against it's a quite a big you know, nearly everyone's been nominated, haven't they? Yeah, this year? yeah, all of the comedians. <laughs> uh, which once again makes this all the more upsetting, <laughs> Richard. <'cause>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the show is about, uh, well, it's, it's a quite political show. You're a quite political comedian. Yeah. I mean, quite. You are a political comedian. And, uh, and there's a lot about Brexit in there. Yeah. I, mean, I enjoyed it. Because obviously a lot of comedians are going to be tackling Brexit this year, I imagine. I mean, yeah. You, you I, mean, I thought that basically everyone was going to have Brexit stuff and Trump stuff. Yeah. So the interesting thing or the only possibility to make it interesting was to try and take it in a direction that uh, no one else would, short of the comedians who actually voted leave and are talking about that. Yeah. Uh, but like, there's like three of them. <laughs> Someone must have voted leave. I don't know who it was. Uh, but uh, no, I can think of genuinely three. Yeah. And can that's you? It. Was it any of you lot who voted leave? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Colin. Cheers, man. Colin. <laughs> really good to know that my family and I entered into your thinking before. Uh, you happy with yourself, Colin? First time in the fucking lifetime, if you are. So there you go. <laughs> he sits in the front row and never smiles at a thing. Uh, <laughs> Do you enjoy my show the other night, Colin? Yes, good. Thank you. <laughs> Tell your face. <laughs> um, but no, so there's, well, there's loads of great So I think, well, you're tackling, obviously, as, a, as a, an Asian, a man of Asian origin, being in the England, especially at the moment, I think must be uh, quite yeah. tricky. I think it's just really working through that difference between the country that I thought I lived in and the one that it transpires I actually do. Yeah. Uh, and maybe having grown up in London and spent basically my whole life there where everyone was from everywhere and everyone was just fine with that. Uh, and you realize that even as starting to go around the country doing stand-up and stuff, that, oh, actually, that's not the case. And yeah. weird levels of hostility that I thought were, like, myths told to me by my grandparents are actually still very prevalent. Yeah. So that's quite worrying and upsetting. Oh, yeah, it's not, like, grey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you managed to make it quite funny, though, within the show. Oh, yeah, heaps of jokes about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, genuinely, <laughs> some real corkers in there, but I'm very sad. But right. it's interesting. It's interesting that, like, as a, a proportion of Leave voters assumed that Asian people would be would leaving the country <laughs> yeah. as well. Exactly, and <laughs> I am here to sorely disappoint them. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm considering converting to Islam specifically yeah. to annoy them even more, <laughs> and it would have the double whammy impact of annoying my dad. Uh, <laughs> so you're a, you're an atheist uh, from a Hindu family, is yes. that correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of quite exciting. Yeah, it's like I had to decide to not believe in so many gods. <laughs> Improvise that. That's definitely going in something in the future. That was, that was good. It was very good. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was also interesting. The show's interesting from the point of view of, you, you, what, you're about 25, are you? 26. 26. What's well, about 25? I mean... And I think that... that I think what's interesting about politics at the moment and the way things are going, it feels very much like this age divide between the, the elderly people who are voting to leave and the young people who don't have houses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. And I think it's just a very odd thing because... So 1997 was the new Labour government. All of that sort of period between the ages of like 
seven and 19, when you're vaguely conscious of what's going on, but yeah. you're not properly engaged. Uh, and so I've, I've not really experienced what it's like to be both politically engaged and in any way hopeful. Uh, <laughs> but like, I think presumably between 2008 and 2016, if I had been American, then I would have been able to. And so that was yes. always like, oh, at least they're, they're doing a nice thing, but yeah. now they've gone for the fascist instead, so okay. Yeah. Well, everyone just lets you down. So like in 1997 was, apart from the, the sad death of Princess Diana, which hit us all, uh, is... Uh, <laughs> hit is not choice. Yeah, uh, <laughs> 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 with the wrong choice um, it was, you know, there was, but then that's the disappointment because the, 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 the new Labour government coming in was just genuinely, I remember walking around the streets of London that night, everyone getting drunk and everyone talking, it wasn't like London at all, everyone was smiling at each other and happy, <laughs> and then, you know, obviously, as, the, as things panned out, it didn't work out all that well. Yeah, but I mean, like, reality is always going to come into conflict <laughs> with any sort of, like, basis of optimism. So, like, in exactly the same way that Obama was regarded as some messiah and everything. It's like, no, obviously he's going to disappoint you in one or two ways. Yeah. But you can say, like, on balance, this dude was okay. But what I'm saying is it's better to have no hope. Because <laughs> then it's not dashed. I support York City in, every, every, in football and every season. I think, well, maybe this season they'll, they won't be relegated. Well, they always are. A lot of professional football <laughs> happening in Cheddar. <laughs> there, is, there isn't any. I was born in Yorkshire, so that's... Oh, right, yeah. okay. Um, you know, but you can live in a different place than your ancestors came from. That's, the, <laughs> that's allowed. <laughs> Truly, you and I are the two faces of multicultural Britain. <laughs> And I've refused to accept my Somerset roots and strongly support York City. <laughs> and if it comes down to a fight between those two places, I will be going back to York to fight. Um, <laughs> don't think that's a very good metaphor. So, um, but Are it, you but trying I, to reignite the War of the Roses? I am, yeah. Well, the War of the Roses set make it Somerset versus Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah. Lancashire has that tough enough as it is. Yeah, am I right? Yeah, it's still there. Whichever colour rose they were, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how much I care about it. Um, I think, I think uh, we're white, white, white roses, aren't we, in Yorkshire? Am I right? White roses, Yorkshire. Yeah. And yeah. it's, uh, you can remember because of Game of Thrones, it's very... <laughs> Lannister and Stark are Lancaster and York, and oh, red yes, and white. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what colour Lannister and Stark are, so that doesn't help my... Right, as okay. a memory system, that doesn't help. <laughs> That's just another thing that I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember how you don't remember? That's, that's how you remember. Um, but it does it, do you think young people are going to get... I mean, it feels like with the Corbyn things, but especially that was young people getting behind him a little bit. I mean, I know yeah. you're slightly critical of him in this show, which I'm, yeah, I'm glad I mean, to no, see. Yeah, I mean, young people generationally getting really behind something does mean that we can lose slightly less badly than we expected to. <laughs> and that's really been uh, mind-blowing. <laughs> <But do you, laughs> he didn't get trounced. Yes, worse than all Do you think it will... Because it just feels to me... I was on... I did the... Um, uh, Des Clark show Breaking the News the other day, and we had to complete... It's all quite an elderly audience, and... Uh, we had to complete like a saying, saying something like 50% uh, of old pe of people over, people over 55 don't care about, and then we had to fill in the banks. Mm -hmm. And I said, anything but themselves. <laughs> and the audience didn't find it funny. <laughs> 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 but hopefully the people at home did. But it's, um, yeah. but it's you know, a, it feels like, it feels like, there's, well, especially those, ba I mean, it's very much like baby boomer generation of the people in, who've had this kind of charmed life from, in the, from the 60s all the way through, everything's gone their way. 
and now they're sort of pulling up the draw, pulling up the ladder, yeah. and no one else can get up that ladder. Yeah, but pulling up the ladder, setting fire to the ladder, uh, <laughs> destroying oh, all ladder manuals, uh, <laughs> systematically underfunding every ladder factory in the country, uh, retrospectively denying the existence of ladders, uh, while claiming that in their day they were simply better at jumping. <laughs> I'd forgotten I was setting you up. Always got to work in the material. I'd forgotten I was setting you up. It was almost like a Des O'Connor style <laughs> setup to that, and I'd forgotten that you did that, but that was good. So uh, <laughs> and let's pretend you just made it up. It'll make us, it'll make us both look amazing. The many gods thing I did make <laughs> up. So do be, be impressed, nonetheless. You can't keep going back. I made one up. I made one up. <laughs> I, I made all of them up just <laughs> earlier. <laughs> That's how this works. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they do a bit about how people, older people blame young people for buying coffee and that's why they don't own a house. That, that's the sort of... Is those, are you genuinely hearing those arguments from people? I suppose they, there's the, there's the I mean, it's always avocado the, stuff, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, the avocados and coffees and stuff as though we're supposed to make our houses out of the shells of them. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it just seems very infuriating that it's a generation who received all of a certain level of benefits that were constructed in light of the post-war period. And it's like, right, we're going to change things. We're going to make them better. And you get all of that. What a lovely thing that we're yeah. going to do for you. And then it's like, no, yeah, we had that. That was nice, but mm, sucks to be you. <laughs> uh, but will it just skip? Because they'll die, those people, eventually um, and leave... You, I mean, I, I'm one of them, really. Uh, so you, when I say they, uh, I'm sort of in, it's sort of in between those two generations. But then they'll give their houses to their grandkids. So is it just your generation's going to miss out? Do you think? Oh yeah, no, I'm inheriting a shitload. Don't worry yeah. about that. Okay. Well, part of what has uh, frightened me recently is that we convince ourselves that all of these things are peculiarly generational and opinions will die out and stuff like that. But you see the photos of Charlottesville and everything. Those are dudes my age waving Nazi yeah, yeah. flags and stuff like that. It doesn't actually just go anywhere. Uh, and then you realize, well, actually, during the civil rights movement and stuff like that, when you see the pictures of the angry men spitting at black kids on their way to school, like desegregated schools for the first time, it's like, oh, that you're like 70 now. You're yeah. not old, old, and you're still going to be kicking around and voting for a good few general elections. Yeah. Although I assume that people who spit at black children in the street also make poor health choices in life. <laughs> uh, so would likely have a lower life expectancy. <laughs> Particularly when they voted to take their own health care away from themselves. That's true. Though, you know, Prince Philip's still alive, and he? he doesn't seem able to die, so racism <laughs> maybe gives you some sort of life Super force. Yeah. <laughs> Just if maybe you hate that's why you get more racist as you age, because you realise that spite is the only thing that's going to keep you alive. <laughs> I mean, but it all seems cyclical, and it does, you know, the Trump thing, you know, everyone was saying, oh, you can't say it's like Hitler, but it seems to me very much like the rise of Hitler with yeah, a, yeah. with, I mean, I don't know. Well, people, Hitler wasn't like Hitler until it was like Hitler. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, people thought Hitler was, a, you know, they treated him like a comic figure and they thought he was stupid. Yeah. Uh, which is the same as now. And and, and is Trump, really, I mean, he is Surely he really is stupid. Well, though, yes, I think that that's the, that's the sole source of benefit in that this guy actually is as dumb as he comes across. One of the fantastic lines I read in a piece is that um, Trump is as dumb as liberals like to pretend George Bush was. <laughs> uh, which I think was a very, very neat way of encapsulating it. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, it's like you realize that the problem with the establishment right in the United States was never any of his positions or anything like that. It's his crassness and his stupidity and his impulsiveness. And so you're like, oh, right, the ease with which you would all rally behind a well-mannered fascist is terrifying. <laughs> uh, 
It's like, oh yeah, this guy's a fascist, but doesn't he hold the door open for ladies before they uh, get, it's like, that's the only thing they're concerned about. Yeah. You know, I kind of admire him because he was prepared to look into the face of the sun. And that is, to me, that shows strong leadership. That's a, and he didn't go blind as far as we know, <laughs> though he'd have to pretend he hadn't, wouldn't he, if he did? He has the best vision, <laughs> terrific vision. <laughs> really. That's just so astonishing. There's a great like, meme of him looking at the sun and Pence touching that at NASA thing that says, please do not touch this. <laughs> <laughs> and go, these are the two most powerful men. <laughs> like these children, I'm yeah, told not to look. I reckon you can look at eclipses, don't you? I reckon have next one, let's all have a look. Let's see what happens. It's a, so so Richard is actually prepping for his remake of Day of the Triffids. <laughs> it uh, is. <laughs> could be. It could be. Um, uh, and you, do, you, do, you talk about Brits not understanding, remembering, uh, knowing much about their colonial history it's that in, in the show. Yeah. Well, I mean, th there was you know, both intentional and unintentional elements of that throughout history in order yeah. to whitewash the reality of what happened. I mean, you have, you know, there's the subtle choices of what you choose to or choose not to include in textbooks, and then there's the very heavy thing of Operation Legacy throwing boxes of documents off the side of ships because they would be embarrassing to future generations to be like, oh, this is how specifically we did all the torture. Yeah. Uh, sorry, guys. <laughs> Totes happened. <laughs> so it's just, oh, oh, but all of history is that, isn't it? It's all of history, people just subjugating other people. Yeah, it's I a, mean, is a bit it, of a shame, isn't it? It is. Do you think it's a human trait, or, or, or do you think that we can rise above that and become better people? Well, one would hope so. Yeah. I mean, but also, we've, we have expanded to a certain extent, so if you look at sort of uh, prehistorical social constructions of like, well, you'd have a tribe of 100 people and everything, and now with the creation of the nation state in the 17th and 18th century, you have, oh, right, I suddenly care about 70 million people who I will never meet, owing through an elaborate system of effectively indoctrination through education that <laughs> ensures I pay my taxes and everything uh, and support the Leviathan. Uh, and you're like, well, that's, that's worked on a national level. The United States was constructed, the entire American identity. You know, like, yeah. Why do you have the apotheosis of Washington as the painting up there to deify these people because you need that myth yeah. uh, that unites everything? I am very boring in real life. <laughs> <laughs> like, what I do basically is that I start off with this sort of thing and over the course of a year work out how to mention dicks <laughs> throughout the entire thing. And golly, it pays off, but the early stages, oof. <laughs> My next show is literally about Nietzsche and the Soviet Union and Christ. It's not going to be funny <laughs> until, let's say, late July uh, next year. I'll work out a way, but for now, don't come to early previews. <laughs> <laughs> and are you going to be touring this current show? Yes, so there's a two-week run in London uh, at the end of September and beginning of October at the Soho Theatre, okay. uh, and then around and about. And the show is called, I've forgotten what it's called because I just had your name on it. What's it called, the show? Uh, it's called Ahir Shah Control. Control. That's okay, good. Well, we'll, well, it's definitely very well worth seeing. There's a lovely metaphor about off milk, which we won't go into, but that's nice. <laughs> We're not going to spoil you. it for them. Uh, it's very. I'll ask you some. Hey. Oh, good. I'm funny when I don't even know. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> I'll ask you. I'll ask you an emergency question to get out of the embarrassment of having done such bad research. I mean, I've known for like three hours he was on the show. <laughs> I've seen his bloody show. That's the be That's better than any of the other cunts we've had on it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I saw the Doug Anthony Allsauce. They were they good were as well. So good. They were so good. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
invigoratingly good. Yeah. Incredible last year. If you haven't been to the Doug Anthony All-Stars, like, go, go to them instead of me. I'm going to be full for the rest of the ride. You don't need to worry about that. Uh, go see Doug Anthony All-Stars. You've been full anyway, but you're, you're doing the free fringe, aren't you? Which is, yeah. uh, have, you, have, you, have you found that? Oh, it's, it's so much better. Yeah. The only way to make money out of comedy in this town is to give it away. <laughs> so. And do you find people, because you do quite a good bucket speech at the end, but... You, you, By I, good, is sort of like just aggressive okay, and hostile. But that's, that's good, like, it is a good thing. It's, I'm, I'm one step off. I think it's like effectively a mugging. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, you're confident about the show correctly and you know it's good and you say you pay 10, 15 pounds for this if you're doing another show. I don't think that's a fair argument because the people who are charging 10 to 15 pounds, like me, 14 pounds, uh, doing that because we have to pay all the fucking expenses you don't have <laughs> yes, to pay. Yes, I know, but I don't, I don't want them to know that, you fool. So that like, all that money is going to you. You set up at the high end, then you set up the lower end, and they give you the lower end, and that's what you take. Yeah, okay. I'm going Trying to, to mess with my hustle. Yeah. Give him lots of money. I mean, no, you know, it's worth... <laughs> but I think it's true, though, you know, unless the show is terrible, like, giving five or ten pounds, uh, giving paper money seems mm. the least you can do for going to see somebody's yeah. show. Uh, and it's nice if it goes to the act, really, and the, and the landlords of Edinburgh, of course. <laughs> you can't still get away from that. You need to have a bucket to live in. <laughs> so you can all travel up in a massive bucket. Uh, have you ever seen a ghost? Uh, yeah, gone old school. Gone right for the beginning of the book. Look at that. Don't think I've ever seen a ghost. I always used to feel that uh, the bedroom in my grandparents' house was haunted whenever I went to visit them when I was a little boy, but I think that that was mainly because I was upset that I was leaving mum and dad, so I was oh. like, oh, no, this is scary for some reason, but then they just take good care of me. Yeah. It's fine. Quite like to see a ghost. Yeah. Do you think they, they, if there are a ghost, they'll be in this building, definitely, this ghost. Because yeah, it's yeah. Ma Masons, they've slaughtered a few. <laughs> <laughs> Pints in here, saw AA. <laughs> of virgin blood. <laughs> I'd love to come. I bet, they, I bet it's the most boring. Have you ever been involved with the Masons? You can't say, can you? I bet it's just really boring. You know what the Masons, you have, you have the Masons, you you you're aware of the Masons? I've never been involved oh, with damn. the Masons. No, I haven't. Um, Am I, is it like, is it a white people thing? I don't know. <laughs> like, it seems like the sort of thing that like, dudes called Jeffrey. Do, who are like a million years old. I wouldn't get it. Oh, yes, you do have to believe in God. That's right, Colin, yes. Do you believe in God, Colin? No, that's why you couldn't, you couldn't you get You and me Masons. are going to start another club. <laughs> Colin, are you God? <laughs> no. And I very nearly got, when I knew the guest had dropped out, I nearly thought I might just have to interview Colin. <laughs> <laughs> and we're sort of slow, over the years, we're very slowly, do, we're finding out a little bit about you day by day. <laughs> Each one of these. You're more, you're, very, you're more than welcome here, Colin. I just want you to know that. Uh, what do you think is the sexiest uh, puppet? <laughs> if you had to have sex with a puppet, which puppet would you have sex with? Uh, I, uh, have you not thought? It's almost like you've not thought about it <laughs> at great length. Too busy thinking about politics to think about which puppet you'd like to have sex with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd say uh, I'd, I'd go with the emu just to the keep emu. In, the, in the tradition of British comedy. Uh, how would you have sex with the emu? Would you have sex in its mouth or up its up its rod hole hole? I would hole. have sex with the emu. <laughs> I would fuck the emu troublingly. <laughs> but that's got to be a gape at the back. That's that's a gaping orifice. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, that's it's, it's been fisted to the point that there's no <laughs> there's no spring left in that. So you would have to. You'd have to come in from the front, and then that is just a, 
It's a dead end, that, that one. <laughs> Life finds a way. <laughs> Emu. Never thought, you know, he's, pretty, like, he's available and unprotected now. <laughs> you just have to find the cupboard he's in. <laughs> I think someone tried to take on Emu. Someone, someone did that, right? Did someone try to do Emu after Rodol? What, do? I mean, do, like, the do it. Right, okay. I, mean, I mean, the whole thing was very suspect, wasn't it? So, uh, it's what he did with that Emu. Thank God he fell off that roof. That's all I can say about Rod. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for his legacy. Uh, have you ever played the game Yahtzee? Yeah. What's your highest uh, score in Yahtzee? I don't remember. Because well, it was like a, it, wasn't it like with, you know, on early computers, like you'd have solitaire and stuff, you'd have Yahtzee. And... Yeah, you would. And it's dice as well. And they're very early computers of dice. <laughs> you would throw. Mine's, mine's 715, so. so. Mine's 716. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah. It is is that good? good. It is. is it one of those games where you want to score less? Here's an emergency question for you. What does mansplaining mean? <laughs> I'm not sure, Richard. Maybe you could tell the women in here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I've got confused because we started a little bit early, didn't we? So I've got a bit more time than I thought. And to ask another emergency question. If you had to give cunnilingus to a fish... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these I'm not expecting, I have to say. If you had to, which fish would you lick out? And that is licking out there, the back end, obviously. Whatever that, whatever, is it cloaca in a fish? It probably isn't, yeah. Yeah, very knowledgeable, yeah. I'd like a, a piranha, a I live piranha. dangerously. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're up the other end, it's fine, as long as you can. I don't know, I don't know how, don't do it. I've, I said, I chose a mermaid. Oh, that's. Yeah, but it's still a fish, isn't it? So it's, uh, it's, not, it's still the wrong end, isn't it? I should choose a, uh, what, was, what would you call a, one the other way around? <laughs> one that's the top half a fish yeah. and the bottom half a woman. <laughs> that is what I would lick off. I'd, I'd lick out a fish that had a woman's legs yeah. well, and the vagina. The mermaid might reciprocate and then that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, but so, then if the, you know, if the top half fish, hey, bottom half I woman imagine, reciprocated, that would be horrifying. I imagine there'd be, there'd be some suction on, on a, a giant <laughs> fish with a human's legs. That mouth would be... <laughs> I haven't thought about it before, but that would def <laughs> definitely. That's be. not what your sketchbook implies. <laughs> so, uh, so you're just doing, you're going to tour the country, you're just doing the Soho Theatre with your, your, your uh, new show. Uh, and the You've got to have put a tour in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, a few other places. And is there anything coming up on the TV for you? Uh, no, no one ever asks oh. me. Maybe they'll ask. They me, will now because you've been Perrier nominated. Me. Do you still call it the Perrier, even though it's not the Perrier anymore? Because you probably don't even remember it when it was the Perrier. Yeah, well, that's what, because it was that for so long, wasn't it? And then it was like, IFCOM, yeah. then Fosters. It's great for Perrier, because they realised we don't need to give the money. Do we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were still, Everyone will still, still get that. The, the publicity. <laughs> so actually, before you go, tell us about um, being the worthy student in the Midnight Beast. What was that? Oh, that was uh, really uh, good. I had uh, two lines. Mm -hmm. Uh, which were, and uh, one of them was, you're not the NHS. <laughs> good. Uh, Did I you deliver it like that? It was, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. <laughs> except with uh, a lot more gravitas. Yeah. Uh, the day I had longer hair as well. Okay. So that was, uh, so if you want to imagine the scene, I'm really setting a scene here. Uh, and yeah, it was uh, me apparently going up to uh, a blood donation thing uh, on the street. 
uh, where they held me down in the chair and just got a big, big knife. Um, and I don't think that anyone would ever have fallen for that scheme. <laughs> uh, if someone in the street was saying that they were running a blood donation clinic, but it yeah. was just them and a sequence of rusty knives, I don't think anyone who had succeeded educationally <laughs> enough to get into a tertiary institution <laughs> would have fallen for that okay. scam. But you still did the part. Oh, I, I accepted the money. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. It was a fun thing. Yeah. Good. Well, we're going to have to let you go, but thanks so much for stepping in and, and rushing over here. That's all right. Thank from you for having your show. Me. Do go and see Ahishar. Ladies and gentlemen, Ahishar. It's a fantastic show. Very fantastic. Thank you very much, Frank. I really appreciate it. Can keep your applause going for a man who is best known from his appearance on 8 out of 10 Cats Does Deal or No Deal. That's what he's best known for. It's John Robbins, ladies and gentlemen. John Robbins. Hopefully, he went for a coffee. He might, he might have gone home. Here he is, there he is. Welcome. How are you doing? Sit down. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, man. And congratulations to you as well for being one much. of the 100 comedians nominated for... Uh, the only good thing about having both of you on is that I know one of you is going to lose, at least. That is, that is my only... <laughs> unless the, you, you could both win it as a... As Joint double, winners, yeah. A, a double, yeah. They, well, they can kind of do anything. They can they? do they anything can, they want. That's how they could give it to no one. <laughs> they, could, they could still give it to me. They could still they go, could. Well, we thought, oh, we thought about it, and it was Richard Herring, actually. <laughs> that would be awesome if they did that. <laughs> Isn't that one of the eligibility things, though, if you regularly put on plays about Rasputin in, in <laughs> rooms of over a 1,000 seats, yes. you're actually <laughs> ineligible no in the, for the prize. Yes, I think it is. It's a very confusing eligibility, I have to say. I've always, I, they should simplify it. Because there's, it's, uh, if you've had your own TV show, however long ago it was, uh, and, uh, and if you regularly play over 500 people, but then that rule is very hard to enforce, isn't it? Cause yeah, I mean, I think it's all just sort of a guideline, and, yeah. and I would imagine you sort of get a picture in your head of the sort of person who's, who doesn't need the award anymore. Yeah. Well, I don't know how I've managed to slip into that category. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, well, so the show is uh, it's about a breakup of uh, with a long term partner, mm -hmm. male or female. I don't know male if you're. I don't female. know if you're. I don't know if you're straight. Okay. I don't see gender. You know, I, I'm not even sure. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. Was it all a th the other person's a comedian as well that you're in a relationship with? And was it all just a scam <laughs> where, you, where you worked together <laughs> in order that you could both get a, the, a show out about the breakup? <laughs> Playing the very long game, yeah. playing the sad game. Yeah. Well, I think it's been like being married to Tom Cruise, isn't it? It's a similar, it's exact, similar it's thing. It's exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> and if it is, would you like to go in a relationship with me and then next year we could just break up just for Edinburgh and we could both do a, yeah, a show Yeah, we'd have to, so we'd probably have to plan in advance how it would go to then structure it yeah. in terms of a show about it. Yeah. But I think, yeah, we could do that. Yeah. How, what, where would your wife and child be doing this? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm, I'm, I'm free to say yeah. yes to that. Okay. Um, I'm very much a master uh, of my own... I think you're allowed to have... Um, even if you're married, you're allowed to have a relationship with someone of the same sex, I think, isn't it? I'm sure that's, that's offensive, but I'm not sure who to. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember vowing anything about that. I said, I, I I said I've forsaken all chicks, I think is what I said in the marriage vow. But I would, I'm keeping my options open. I would love to see a Richard Herring sort of 
in-depth analysis of the wedding vows <laughs> and like finding loopholes in everything. Yeah, absolutely. Until death do us, but what if it's not death? What if it's what if she's on a life support machine <laughs> with, with her face made of ham? <laughs> what if her face, if, if she doesn't die, yeah. but her face is made of ham, and her armpit secretes suntan lotion, <laughs> then can I, can I cheat on her with a Shrek? <laughs> that would be very funny. It would, it would. But you've, annoyingly, you haven't, can, you haven't got together with your ex-partner to make sure that people could go and see both of your shows on the same night. That would be, you should go to one of them and then go to the other. You, you are. You haven't, you, you're on at the same time as the, the person. Yeah, we're not touring up. it. <laughs> It'd be nice to be able to go to both uh, in the same night, get both sides of the story, and then, make, well, and then there could be like a vote at the end. Whose fault was? <laughs> whose fault was it? Like, like those buttons you press <laughs> on the way out of the airport to yeah. see if you were happy with the uh, standard. You just see kids pressing them like that, so you realise that they're completely futile <laughs> as a system of getting feedback for how airport security yeah. was. <laughs> um, no, it's sort of, it's been unfortunately um, pitched by people other than us as a kind of uh, yes. two sides of a thing, but it's not at all. No. My show is a show about me, and her show is a sh show about her, and that's exactly how, th what they are. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless well. of what you read in the gutter press. <laughs> But it's sort of interesting, isn't it, to, to, to put your... I mean, that's what all comedians do. Like, uh, not all, but a lot of comedians will put their private life up there and their soul-searching. So it's obvious... So it was a big relationship for both of you, and, and it's, you know, you're obviously going to both want to talk about it, especially, I, I suppose. No, but I don't think... I mean, the shows aren't about that. No. Uh, they're not about the relationship. They're about us. And yeah. I think a lot of comedians, um, sort of certainly of our sort of year group, your show is your experiences over the last year. Yeah. That's what you've got to work with, <laughs> unless you're really talented and can <laughs> come up with stuff that hasn't happened to you. <laughs> yeah. But so that's what you sort of got. So you have to sort of frame it in as as uh, classy a way as possible. And there are sort of several more tawdry routes that were open and were denied <laughs> were, and were, were avoided. Yeah. Um, however, that's not been how some people have reported on it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's unfortunate. But it, it, Two comedians together, that's never going to work, though, is it, right? Two. Yeah. <laughs> One of them would have to change jobs, surely, yeah. for it to work. Oh, dear. I just, uh, it's, I was saying to you backstage, you could, you, if you get married, you just have to stick, stick with it. Well, <laughs> not, not, <laughs> not according to yeah. some of your caveats well, to the, the vows. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I mean, I was, the suggestion of the show was we would be, it would be, we wouldn't really be having a relationship, but we would just pretend we had a, we'd suck each other off a bit. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> just so we knew, oh. just so we knew what that was like, in case anyone quizzed us about it. Yeah. Where, where would this quiz take place? In a, in a dramatic change to pointless. <laughs> it's, it's Alexander Armstrong and Richard Osman asking John Robbins and Richard Herring what it's like to suck each other off a bit. A bit, not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think in the past you used to. Did you do a routine about um, wishing you were single again because you missed out on uh, Tinder and all that sort of thing? Is that was that was that you, or have I mess, messed up with it? Uh, that that's definitely a bit Stuart Goldsmith. Oh, is it? Okay. okay. Um, 
But it w it's would, not be, it would not be the first time we've been mistaken. I was once doing a, a gig in London, and Phil Nickel came up to me and said, hey, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make it. We don't have guests on us. We do it ourselves. You're very similar, although you've never lived in the house behind mine, and Stuart Goldsmith's house, so I should know the difference between <laughs> And Nish Kumar as well. Do they really? The one they used to. Well, and I've moved now as well. We've all moved. I think Nish is still there in the same... Oh. In, we um, literally, our houses backed onto each other in uh, Shepherd's Bush. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, sorry about that. But have you been on Tinder since you've broken up with your girlfriend? No, I've never oh. used... Uh, well, I, um, I've never... <laughs> I never used a, I've never used a dating app or a, uh, anything like that, but someone told me, did you know there's, um, there's a Tinder for, like, Celebs. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not saying I'm a celeb, but it's for um, sort of people in, in the media. Yeah. Uh, so, like, unbearable people. <laughs> um, and also, if you've got, like, um, it's based on your Instagram followers. So, if you're sort of big on Instagram, you can go on it. So, there's quite a few celebs on there. Right. And another comedian told me about it who was on it. And um, I tried to download it, and you have to be invited. <laughs> and they wouldn't let me on it. Oh. Uh, it's called Raya. Okay. And Matthew Perry's on it. <laughs> and Sharon Stone. Wow. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Imagine that. Imagine going on a date with Sharon Stone when she's um, visiting London. Yeah. But like Tinder, oh no, I don't really know what Tinder is because I've been married for 10 years or in a relationship for 10 years. Damn it. It's a, it's a it's dating so, it makes app. makes it so much easier. It's a dating it? app that debases us all. Yeah, that's what I liked. You know, I wish I'd just... I wish, <laughs> I wish I'd been there when I was 35. That's what I'm saying. Uh, but, um, but like, sure, it's about people who are in, in your proximity. They can't be... Met, you know, you're just in the Groucho Club. You'd see them anyway, wouldn't you? They're all, they all hang out in the same place, media people. Um, to, yeah, to an extent. I guess it's difficult, kind of, um, to know where to meet people, really. Cause, yeah. Because... Because what people know me from is a, a radio, a podcast. So they've had like, anyone that knows you has probably been listening to you for three years <laughs> and you've never met them. And they come up to you with like, <laughs> oh my God, did you, how's this thing worked out? And you're like, I can't remember ever mentioning that. And they're like, <laughs> but I was listening to it today. So you kind of, they bring so much to that that you can't then go, oh, we'll... We'll start to go out with each other. <laughs> with you, have this idea of me. you've known me for three years. Yeah. Whereas, I, and or or it's people in the industry, which I would say is a poison chalice. Okay. You might you might get over that that feeling eventually. I I sort of think it, you know it's ultimately it's about finding you know I think you I think you it's good if someone understands the job, but I think like when I think if yes, you're both yeah, I think it is difficult to be in a, you know the, you've, some of the comedian relationships do work out. Uh, but a lot of them don't, and I think it's difficult because I the, the, if the stats are any different to because don't half of all marriages end in divorce. Uh -huh. I wonder if the stats are any different. They're, they're probably not. They're probably not actually. But comedians are all pricks, right? So it's that's it's a good thing to avoid from both levels. I don't think they are. I no. think comedians are mainly lovely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's where you're going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that belief. <laughs> when you have some self-understanding. Uh, or like me, you'll know I, that you are like I am a prick. Um, <laughs> I'm only joking. Uh, now I won't ask that. <laughs> oh dear, my goodness! Are, are you ever mistaken for John Robbins, the uh, prophet born in 1500, who was a ranter and uh, Puritan prophet? I've got his 
book. Have you? His yeah, rants. Because I um, was Googling my own name. Yeah. A long time ago, probably one of my first Google searches, and he's a notorious ranter that he thought, is he was, ranter, yeah. was, uh, thought he was God. And um, so I ordered his pamphlet on Amazon. <laughs> so he's, he sold one book in 400 years, and uh, it's mine. Yeah. Absolute nutter. But did he have any good rants in there? Sort of a lot about sort of wheat, and, <laughs> you know, the, the issues of the day, um, tithes. I read, I read about him on Wikipedia briefly, and he sort of had to, he had to recant his belief. He was imprisoned, and then he had to go to Oliver Cromwell and recant mm. that, he, that his prophecies were untrue, and then he was let out again. And he, was, and he lived to 50-odd, which is, in those days was a long time. Have you been... Did you research him I mainly researched him. I, I got more... I didn't know Robbins was doing a show about being God. <laughs> I, looked, I looked you up, and then I thought, actually, him <laughs> and... The other John Robbins, show the other John Robbins. The, the diet guy. Yeah, the diet. He's a double B, though. He is a double B. Yeah, but, but we don't talk about okay. him. Okay. The double Bs that curse posters on uh, gigs across, sometimes, no H double B. Right. The, the double insult. Yes, yeah. Well, but every time I write your name, I have to double check it. So it's true. I, you feel like a J-O-N, John. No, I You do. I that. just absolutely... I think. hate those dicks. Yeah, you're one of them. I'm an H. I'm old school. <laughs> King, the Baptist... <laughs> Uh, the disciple Jesus loved, yeah. Barnes, <laughs> King again. Yeah. Are there, are there any famous J-O-N Johns? Richardson. That's it. That's it, okay. And Robbins, I always have to check as well. He was the son, John Robbins, with double B, was the son of uh, Baskin Robbins, the ice cream manufacturer, and Ooh. now uh, is against the whole dairy industry. Yes, he's a sort of a vegan yeah. um, diet champion, isn't yeah. he? Health guy. How do you think that plays out in the in the uh, the Robins with the double B household? Well, didn't Robins with the double B dad die? Yeah, I think he did. Of ice cream. Yeah, eating too much ice cream. Like the guy from Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. When will they learn? Yeah. I don't even own an ice cream company, and I'm in danger of dying from that. <laughs> <laughs> if I owned an ice cream company, I'd be in a lot of trouble. I find it very difficult to um, if there's any, especially like at stressful times like now. There's my, we've been putting chocolate in the fridge and then there's just no chocolate in the fridge quite quickly. My so problem this, uh, this festival has been cheese. Oh, is it? And I, I went to get some breakfast the other day and I had to be quite quick and I realised all I had was three types of cheese, <laughs> not even anything to put that cheese on. So I sort of just had a mouthful of, uh, <laughs> mouthful of Saint Agur and a mini baby bell and then left the house. You know, I didn't even have bread. Did you not feel like you could pop out and get some bread? I didn't have time. I was okay. like, I'll just grab a banana and a smoothie from the fridge. And like, oh, no, just three types of cheese. <laughs> then you ate all three. Didn't say, I'll settle on one type. No. I'm going to eat all three. I'm going to eat all But I live with, up in Edinburgh, I live with George Egg, who's okay. uh, doing a cooking show, and he's he a fantastic chef. He, yes, he is. And he cooks a lot of lovely stuff in the house. Oh, that's nice. Which is very nice. Does he cook on household appliances when you're in the flat, or does he leave that in the workplace? Well, there, he would do... But they're all sort of at his venue, okay. so he doesn't get um, a chance. But he's got a, a Victorian sandwich maker, which is basically like a cast iron um, sort of. It looks like a sort of a bellows, but yeah. you, you you clamp it down and you put it on the on the flame, and we, we eat circular toasted sandwiches and talk about <laughs> our feelings. <laughs> 
And do you think George Egg is worried that you're trying to start a relationship with him <laughs> so that you can do a show about him? And we got really emotional one night and just started playing each other sad songs. <laughs> <laughs> and we were sat at the kitchen table, we both looked up, we got tears in our eyes, and George said, I love our friendship, John, it's so real. <laughs> Oh, so you love him. And then did he say, should we just suck each other off? Just <laughs> so we can just say, in case what, anyone asks us so what it's like. Just so we can say, <laughs> in case anyone asks. That's what I would do. It's, it, no, I've, Edinburgh is such a weird place. So you, you, I've been here a lot of times. And like, I think I've kind of got over it. Like having come here, this is my you know, 24th time I've come here or whatever. But it's difficult when you've got, all the, you've got associations with all these different places and people in the... In oh, the, in the and so I had last year was my first year off, yeah. and my first year off doing a solo show, and I came back and I felt like I was returning to uni just a year too late, <laughs> sort of when it was becoming a bit, what's he still doing here? Yeah. But, yeah. And because you just sort of, you go, I go to like a bar now, and I'll sort of say, I'll see who's in the bar. Yeah, I'll know loads of people in the bar. And it's not that I don't know people, so I don't, re don't recognise, it's not even people I've seen around. No, no. So you sort of then sort of, you crumple in stature and sort of back out of the bar. But then you have every smell and sight and sound you have these intense associations with. So it's like walking through the corridors of your past, yeah. walking through all your sort of failures. And, <laughs> and then it's like that smell of the malt from the brewery hits you and suddenly it's like 1998. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Do you remember Princess Diana dying in 1997? I do, yeah. yeah. How, what were you up to? Uh, keeping a low profile, <laughs> <laughs> laying low. Uh, no, I was. Uh, I, my mum woke me up. I was in bed. Was she? she said, "Princess Lady Di." In bed died. with your mum? <laughs> no, I was in bed, and my mum woke me up. I was in a bed in my house, which is absolutely fine. Tawdry mind. <laughs> um, yeah, that's where I was. Okay, were you sad about Princess Diana when she died? Yes. Yeah. Are you, sad? Are you still sad now? Do you think it's good that I'm she's get, dead? I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. I like the fact that sort of the Daily Mail and the Express every so often will do an interview with Harry or Prince Williams and manage to get it back on the front page yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. And they seem to say different things. So they went, did one where we were forced to do that walk and we didn't like it. And then the, this week is, oh, no, I'm glad we did the walk. It was good. But if you're a journalist and you ask the same person the same question <laughs> a thousand times, yeah. eventually they'll probably, they'll, their story will start to fall apart because they'll yeah. be tired or annoyed <laughs> or being a prince, <laughs> yeah. which is probably quite hard, I would is. imagine. It probably is. Yeah, I find, well, I very much find, like, with that going into the bars, I really, I'm, I went to Brooks Bar, which, like, ten years ago, that was where people I knew hung out and it was like really weird to go in there 10 years on because you sort of still feel like it is that that was yesterday that 10 yeah. years ago and it's just like oh those people don't come to Edinburgh anymore my, or my, are dead my best <laughs> my best friend did the got through to the final of so you think you're funny last night oh, yeah. and I did that competition set 12 years ago yeah and I we, we were, I watched his semi-final in the room I did my final and in my head it was a 6,000 seater, right. um, like cavernous, huge space with just an endless blackness leaving off the stage. And then you get in there and you think, oh, a bit pokey, this <laughs> tiny little room. I can see all the sides of it all at the same time, but at the time, and then went to the party and yeah. it was mad. And yeah. I saw Julia Chamberlain who books it and I said, it was 12 years ago, Julia. And then we both sort of mock shot ourselves in the head and yeah. had a lovely laugh. Imagine what it's like. You're really young. Imagine what it's like being me. 
That's imagine, awful. Just I can, imagine it. Yeah, I'll be you one day. You will. God. I'll be dead by that You'll state. be dead by that I'll be dead well. of ice cream. You're in your 40s, aren't you? I'm not. I'm 50. That's a guy. I'm doing a show called Over Rig. I'm 50. It's oh, Don't, I know you're, you know, a bit self-obsessed this year, but uh, it's... Uh... <laughs> At least I came up with a new show title. <laughs> Frig is a very different word than fun. <laughs> and 50 is a different number than 40. <laughs> um, good, I'll ask some emergency questions. I'm confused by this new time. It's confused what? me. Well, usually this is a, a different time. This is a special extra one we've added in. Uh, and they couldn't give me the same time. So I'll, I'm going to dip into emergency questions. It's available from gofasterstripe.com. Uh, have you ever killed a mouse? I mean, you wouldn't now. You're a pescatarian, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you kill a fish. Uh, and take great pleasure in yeah. it. <laughs> um, no, but I saw a vole last night. Yeah, a vole? Yeah, a yeah. runny vole. It was a running, so I call it a, we call it a, I call it a runny vole. Right. And did you kill it? No, I, no. I, 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 we chatted briefly. Yeah. Uh, one of those awkward things in Edinburgh where you see, see a vole you kind of know. And <laughs> how's the show going? Oh, yeah. And then you don't really want to be chatting. And then you take a f flyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I once witnessed a mouse being uh, killed by a child. Oh, wow. I was also a child. Uh, but it was the kind of frozen fight, and then the kid stamped on it. It was frozen? Well, it was frozen in fright, because so, it was been cornered, and then it, the kid stamped on it. It stuck with me. Oh, you would do? Yeah, it's it going to stick with me? I've never eaten a mouse Stamping since on that day. <laughs> since that day? <laughs> oh, actually, once I more or less killed a mouse. Uh, that might be why I put this question in the book. One, when I was vegetarian, we had, a mat, we had mice in our flat, and I was quite scared of them, and my flatmate was away. And then there was a, cat, a mouse running across the uh, kitchen counters, and I managed to... It ran, and it went under the spice rack, so I put a board up against the spice rack to trap it, and then I didn't really know what to do. I, th I think I threw cumin in its eyes. <laughs> uh, and then I left it there, and my flatmate was away all weekend. So I just left a mouse to... It didn't die... Yeah, just sneezing. It a lot. sort of, it sort of became emaciated, and then my flatmate took it out, and let it go outside. I was too scared to, so I've effectively killed a mouse. Well, you gave a mouse a very stressful episode of its life. <laughs> of a weekend like yeah. that in, in mouse. You kidnapped a mouse in mouse, in mouse years. That is a long time. Mm. A weekend for a mouse. Yes. With nothing to eat but some cumin, you have to lick off your own eyeballs. Wonder how long you could survive on spices alone. <laughs> I don't know how long you survived, but wow. How much? How, how <laughs> what much, a wonderful time you would have. What nutrition would so, you get if you could have, like, paprika, yeah. cumin, maybe Tabasco? Are we allowing that? If only we had the other John Robbins on the, on oh. the podcast. He might be able to tell us. He would tell us. Turmeric? You probably Turmeric, live forever. Yeah. If, you, if what you read in the magazines is true. <laughs> I reckon, um, you know, if you're uh, going to eat basil and stuff, that's got to have nutritional value. Yeah, if, go, if it was fresh basil. Herbs, suck a bay leaf for yeah. two hours. Yeah. Reduce I reckon yourself. Could, could keep you going for a while. What do you think, Colin? No. Good. Is, that's the problem with Colin as a guest. He just shuts down the fanciful. Right. You, know, so you, you go, and I. You've got a yes and, Colin. You've got a mate. yes and. Yes and. Yes no. and. It's an improv. You what? 
Look, it's a Where's question my yellow jacket? Question now he's kicking off. Where's your yellow jacket? Where's um, your fucking yellow jacket, John? It's in my bedroom. That we've, that we've come to expect you wearing all the time. It's in my bedroom, yeah. Bedroom at home or your bedroom here? No, bedroom You're here. using it in the show. No, well, I did for the... So it's a Freddie Mercury leather yellow jacket, bespoke made. Yeah. Really nice. Um, uh, and the plan was, because we had a nice photo of me in it for the, for the, the poster, and there's a... Uh, and I'm a big fan of Queen. Was, uh, I, I wear it on stage when I come out, and then it's a it's a sort of a, a, a punchline to a joke made about eight minutes into the show. Right. But after the first two shows up here, it sort of became quite clear that a half of all your audiences have never seen you before, don't know you, don't know that you <laughs> like Queen, and they'll just sit there thinking, why, why is that man wearing a Freddie Mercury jacket? On? <laughs> He's not made any reference to it. Is he trying to sort of? Trying to reclaim it as just a fashion item and not a <laughs> reference. So I just had to stop doing it. And also people were coming thinking the show was about Queen. Yeah. It's just there's sort of one Queen joke in there, which the jacket was little more than an embellishment for, so I just got rid of it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's in, it's in the it's old... In the, it's in, in his bedroom, Colin. Okay. There's a, there's a company that um, specialise in... Um, uh, Remaking very sort of iconic leather jackets, if you're interested in one, Colin. No, shaking his head, not interested at all. He wants to know his whereabouts, but he doesn't want one for himself, and that's fine. You what? You like oh seeing it on God, me? Oh, thank you very much, hey, mate. I like hey, wearing it. I John? It. Yep. This could be... Uh, this oh, could... God. Do you listen to John's podcasts? Yeah, so you'd be, you know, if, as long as you don't listen to his podcast and know everything about him, could, the, you two could... This could be a relationship. I mean, it's an odd thing that started this way, with you being such a big star of this show and John just being a regular guy. But uh, I hey, reckon he could. He could. I, I love that you came. You came to see the tour show in the stand, having not ever heard the show. You downloaded it. You not listened to it, right? So that, but that show must have been incredibly baffling in places. John, that's what Colin likes. Colin likes to sit in the front row. I'm amazed you haven't seen him. He I sits like in the that. front row and then just looks bored and annoyed. But that, I love, but he, keeps, like, he keeps coming. The fact that you would can put yourself through that again is, and again, just being look, baffled. He's smiling. By so stuff. This is a very un. I'm a bit worried about him. He's I literally, he's actually, a, he's chuckling. Bit of a spark. Colin's actually chuckling and looking bashful and shy. <laughs> It would be nice if this was the moment that, you know... Colin came out of his skin. Yeah, and the you two... Not you, you found love, and then, you know, four years down the line, you could do shows about it. Colin could just come and go, yeah, how'd it go? <laughs> you want to talk about it, Colin? No. <laughs> and then you could do another hour about me, me and Colin. And it's the about Colin. Okay. Oh dear, well they flashed a light at me. Uh, I thought this show started at 3.40, but maybe it didn't. It did. It started, well, yeah, okay. Maybe that was just a warning of... Oh, we got eight they minutes. Were bored. Yeah. Well, it started a bit before 3.40, so, you know, no one's given me any hints from the back, so... We'll just keep going until they... No, we'll, we'll stop in a sec. Um, what, uh, do you think the Adam Sander film, The Cobbler, could ever happen in real life? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the film, but I, I, well, love, I don't care. Do I you still his, think it could? The co so it's about a guy yeah. who makes shoes. Yep, cobbler. And it, with cobbler. hilarious consequences, <laughs> yes. falls in love with a local lady. Uh, probably there is that in there. It's not the notable thing. The notable thing about the uh, film is that his father owned a <laughs> an enchanted cobbling machine. <laughs> 
and that any shoes made, repaired on that machine, it's not even made, will then, if, the, if you then put them on, you will become the person who had those shoes. Or your, your physical appearance will become them. So you can go out and be... You know, Do you think he real. reads the scripts he gets? <laughs> because Punch Drunk Love is one of the best films I've ever seen. Yeah. And you're like, wow, this is a serious, hefty bit of work. Yeah. And then it sort of become this. That's why I'm, fa I'm I am fascinated by him for that very reason. Yeah. You, you know, it's a, but it's an interesting about artistic decisions and financial decisions and making that choice a bit about which way you go in your life. But then a lot of actors, when they're sort of interviewed about this, say people assume you have total choice of what you do and actually all you get is what you're offered yeah so you can turn the cobbler down you could turn down the cobbler but then you know i have a feeling that one of his films it might be the cobbler imagine what he's turned down <laughs> 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 i'd love to see the scripts that adam sandler went hmm, no, no. <laughs> maybe he just doesn't realize you can turn the it key down. cutter it just, it's, it's coming oh shit i've got i can't believe i've got to do this for this film that's actually a better idea key cutter, a key yeah. cutter with a yeah. enchanted key cutting machine yeah. that gives you the key to any house in history well, that is just oh, okay or the key to any house. The key to any house. It's a bit. It's worrying that it's sort of. Yeah, but that'd be an interesting thing about voyeurism. Yeah, and you know, stealing things. And, yeah, but that'd be a and dark. attacking people in. The I'm house. not saying it's a comedy. <laughs> Maybe that could be how Sandler yeah. sort of re 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 rejigs his career is by sort of making dark versions of all the terrible films he's made. Yeah, I think it's more likely a key cutting machine would be enchanted than a. Yeah. The cobbler machine. Because keys are more magical than they shoes. They are. And, you know, I mean, is there even a cobbling machine, really? <laughs> We'd have to ask someone at Timpsons. <laughs> but there is definitely a key cut thing. And, you know, there's that thing with the key that you put the actual key in, don't you? And then it simultaneously follows. So there's a, that could be a magical transformation as the key passes its magic to the new key as you're cutting it. Yeah. Whereas with a cobbler, that's just crazy, the idea of ma yeah. that what, being magic involved in that. It's what was the, the film shoe, isn't it? where, um, who's the super famous actor who's retired and won loads of Oscars? It is Charlie Chaplin. Uh, it was in, no, he's it the guy is, in the... It is, no, let me guess. <laughs> I've got enough. It is Cary Grant. No, current, okay. very recent. Uh, I drink your milkshake, I drink it up. That guy. Daniel Brian, Brian Blessed. Brian Blessed. <laughs> <laughs> he, didn't he do a film where he's so method that he went to train as a cobbler for six months? Maybe he came out of the film just in pre-production. They had to get Sandler in last minute. Yeah, maybe. Does anyone know that story about him training to be a cobbler for six months? To yeah, what was that film was that for? It was what? No, not My Left Foot, but good. <laughs> um, what was it? Just did it. What, for, for, oh, for so he's not a method actor, he's having a <laughs> to nervous be honest, breakdown. If he, was doing, if he was doing the cobbler, he would have to, for six months, be someone who owned a magic cobbler machine. <laughs> and then become, I mean, he'd be good at becoming other people, because that's sort of what he does. Maybe, maybe Daniel Days-Lewis, his whole life... Daniel Days-Lewis. <laughs> maybe his whole life was method acting for being in the cobbler. He said, I've got to pretend to be loads of different people. I don't really want to be an actor, I just want to do the cobbler. And uh, so I'll have to pretend to be lots of people in lots of different films. And then when I've done that enough, I will have the experience to be in The Cobbler. And then he did it all and they went, we don't want you. We want yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's retired from acting. Yes. 
I should have got it from that because he's retired from acting. That's why that was the clue. <laughs> but you know, all actors retire from acting eventually, one way or, or the other. Or they are retired by the yeah. Lord. Yeah, a lot of them do. A lot the, of them the, do. The ultimate director. It is. Oh, well, look, uh, it's been lovely to see you. Thanks very much for coming on again. We had a lot of fun at the Leicester Square Theatre and here as well. And very good luck. Uh, if, out of the two of you, I hope you beat Ahisha. Hey, I, I hope uh, you do. I feel very strongly this year it's that I, I, don't, I don't think anyone should feel they've been beaten no, in a creative I enterprise. I think it very much is. Uh, at the moment... <laughs> You nine are all the winners at the moment, and, the, uh, and to a lesser extent, the new acts also are winners. Uh, and everyone else who's here, the other thousand people have all lost. Have, have you ever seen, um, and it was played a major part in sort of changing my attitude towards, because I used to really beat myself up about it, but have you seen Dustin Hoffman's Oscar speech for Kramer versus Kramer? I haven't, sure. It, if I describe it to you, I will get emotional because With it this, means like so that. much to I'd me. like that there be a beautiful but, end to this series <laughs> if you start crying. But he, uh, it is, it, for anyone who has ever felt that they have sort of failed when they've been trying to do something creative, it is the most incredible bit of sort of motivational chat he does when he, he accepts the Oscar. Okay. And um, I find it very affecting and I would recommend anyone check it out. Shall I uh, put the link to it in my... Uh, in the, oh, in yeah, that would be amazing. Then we could watch this straight away after... Yeah. Listening. And it'll be an emotional end to what's been an amazing fringe for in so many ways <laughs> for us all. Can um, I, could, I, um, could I plug my tour? Yes, please do. I didn't mean to ask you. Yes, sorry, That's go right. ahead. Yes. Um, so I'm touring this show um, next year from January to April. I'm um, doing gigs in London at the Leicester Square Theatre. Yes. And uh, over the country, and I hope people come. Do go and see him. Also, come and see me on tour at the same time as all the other comedians are on tour. <laughs> Uh, but me first, and then you can choose which ones you like. Yeah. Out of the others. <laughs> come and see us all. Uh, comedy, in a way, if just come to any comedian, we all, we all win, right? They're <laughs> definitely telling us to go now. Ladies and gentlemen, it's John Robbins. Thank you very much. Cheers, man. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you, everyone, for coming along. It means so much uh, and really helps us. Uh, thank you, everyone at home. Uh, we're doing more Leicester Square Theatre. Well, they're still going out. We're doing more in October. Uh, I'll be down there after the show. You can buy an emergency questions and other stuff down there. Um, we're doing a collection for Scope uh, at the as you go out. If you would like to give some money to Scope, please feel free. Thanks so much for coming, and I'll see you. Bye-bye.